Well, what's up, folks? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night. For those who like to keep track of the days of the week, and it is uh, what, December 8th already. So we're 17 days away from Christmas for the kids who are counting down the days, which I'm pretty sure they're excited to see Santa Claus, the family. And this time of the year, although it is 82 degrees down here in Tampa, Florida, I'm pretty sure where everyone else is, it feels like Christmas here we call it like a summer Christmas because it's kind of weird to see reindeers and Santa Claus and everything else across the lawns because it's warm. But nevertheless, we are live from the LG Direct Sales Solution Studios in Tampa, Florida. And yes, it's been a little bit since the last time we were on because there have been so many things going on. We try to make sure that we have everyone engage, you the listener, and everyone who listens from overseas, stateside, and around the world. We do appreciate it. And also, for those who are listening tonight on 102.9 The Game, as we have launched our radio station as well. So we can't wait for you guys to also give us some feedback and let us know exactly how everything sounds, how everything looks, because we are simulcasting both live on BroadStreetSouth.com and on 102.9 The Game. So with that being said... Tonight, team market owner of the Kentucky Enforcers, Dustin Driscoll, is here with me tonight as we get closer and closer to the 2023 TBL season. And if you have not gotten your season tickets yet for the Kentucky Enforcers or for the teams in your area, I would say that you may want to jump on it because this year proves and is going to prove for the 50 teams to have some excitement. So as we get into it, we'll talk to Coach team market owner, uh, executor, you name it. He is all wrapped up in one, but it's okay because that's what happens when you are a team market owner. You just get involved with everything. So with that being said, we'd like to get the show here started. It is episode 171. Once again, we thank everyone from Australia to China to Italy, stateside, Puerto Rico, Brazil, everywhere around the world. We thank you for listening. I'm Angel, and this is Broad Street South. And just as I said, tonight we have team market owner from the Kentucky Enforcers. Dustin Driscoll is here with me this evening. Uh, Dustin, first of all, thank you for joining the show. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, Angel. Thanks for having me on. No problem whatsoever. And, and listen, we know that last year, obviously, 2022, uh, a lot of teams, we talked about a little bit off air before we came on air here, but we talked about how different teams uh, went through their highs, went through their lows. We know towards the end of the season, some teams that need to fight to get in, they were able to get in there. And then, of course, playoff time came around. And some teams that should have run the distance came up a little bit short. And we know that you guys end up finishing up fourth uh, in a tough division because the division you guys are in, are, it's not the easiest one. Might be one of the smaller of the groups, but it is a tough division. You guys have Owensboro, which I did talk to Coach Anderson earlier in the year uh, about his team as well. So, as far as the Kentucky Enforcers, you guys this year, you're awaiting, like some other teams, for your schedule to come out. But before we get into as far as the teams and the scheduling, to get a little bit of your background so we can kind of get into that transition mode as far as for the scheduling. But tell us a little bit about you as far as the listeners who've never heard from the Kentucky Enforcers, especially from you, Coach, from team market owner uh, to where you guys are now, because I know from, if I remember correctly, you guys started back on May, 2016, if, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Actually. Um, yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> I got a call from a, uh, a former coach of mine that coached me when I played professionally in the EBA and he was actually affiliated with the ABA in that 2016 and, 
called me and uh, you know said they wanted to put a new team in the Northern Kentucky Cincinnati uh, area, and you know it kind of took off from there. Um, it, it was just a great opportunity, and and I was kind of you know tossing it back and forth if I wanted to do it or not. Um, and then I realized, hey, you know, there's too much talent in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati to not go ahead and form a team. So we did, you know, in 2016, we started the Kentucky Enforcers. And uh, I went around to numerous um, summer league pro-ams in, in the tri-state area here and recruited guys. And we played two years in the ABA, then we played in the NABL a couple of years. And now here we are in the TBL. Now, usually when I, I normally ask a question, the different team market owners have been on with me and the coaches as well. But what separates you guys, let's say, because, again, the division you're in with, like, Owensboro, for, for anyone who tried out either for the Thoroughbreds, obviously you guys being pretty much in, in the same area, you know, being from Tennessee and Kentucky. But what's the difference between someone playing for, let's just say, for your competitor versus playing for you guys? Um, you know, we, we're more of a family. You know, I, you know we, we have, I don't know, the easiest way to put it is, you know, with myself, um, my personal family, you know, we, we treat guys like their family. You know, we, we have cookouts. We go out to dinner together with our guys. You know, we go have fun. We go to last year, we went to top golf for, uh, Kevin and Cam Mitchell, two of my players, they're, they're twins. Uh, we went, we all went top golf for their birthdays. You know, um, we just, we, we like to know our guys, you know, right. basketball court and practice, it's strictly business. And, and, and our guys know that. But after the game, off the court, road trips, we have fun. We have a lot of fun together, you know. And, and a lot of my players, that's that's why they come back. You know, I've had uh, Jeff Robinson with me since 2016. Uh, Cam Mitchell's been with me since 2018. Uh, Terrence Briggs, 2018. You know, I had a former player, Robbie Smythe, that came with Jeff Robinson when I first started it. He would still be here today, but unfortunately, you know, he passed away uh, early last summer. So, um, you know, we're, we're a family. We're not just a team. No, no. Listen, that's good because you do. That's the one thing you don't hear a lot of anymore, at least today, because it, we've seen like professional teams, whether it be in the NFL, the NBA, we know that a lot of these guys that when it's the off season, a lot of them, like I want to say the first two weeks, they may take the time off, spend it with their families. Cause obviously it's a grueling season. Um, I, I would say the same way too, with a TBL, because from March until May, it seems like it's short cadets. But by the time you pull out a planning together, it's the draft, there's the combine, season starts, time to when the season ends. I mean, Easter's probably the only weekend, really, where everybody's off. But besides that, you guys are extremely busy just between workouts, practice, and everything else. So it's good to hear that you guys take that time to be able to bond with one, with one another because that's vitally important, first and foremost, that you do bond with your team because if you don't have that, co that cohesion with everyone else, it makes it a little bit tough because you don't get to know your guys. You don't get to see, you know, what they do off the court versus what you guys do in the community and what you do on the court. So that, that's always good to hear because it, it is it is grueling. I mean, going on the road is not the easiest thing. Uh, it's completely different from the, you know, from the NBA level where you guys are, you know, either smaller buses, smaller vans. You're traveling, you know, from within state or out of state. So it's a complete different setup for a lot of people who don't know about it. And if you guys have never followed the basketball league, I will tell you that, being a broadcaster, uh, formerly of the Tampa Bay Titans, they're, they're taking some time off. But being a broadcaster with them, I can see when all these guys, you know, if they, if they all meet up at, at whether being at someone's house or if they meet up at the school, all jump on the bus and are able to travel. I mean, you're talking about some guys are have a full-time job, 
Come in the afternoon, get on that bus, get ready to hit the road, come back. I mean, it's a Monday through Friday job, plus the Monday through Friday workouts you guys end up having. So it's a lot. It's a lot to put together. I, I will, for you being a team market owner and a coach, you know, Dustin, it's a lot to ask of you, and I'm pretty sure that the the fans appreciate it. I'm quite sure your you know your family appreciates it. But between that, how much downtime than you actually have from the end? You know, let's just say the end of May, and if you make it to the playoffs, you're talking about early August. But from that time until you know it starts to roll around again, start putting schedules together, start looking at the draft, start looking at prospects. You guys go out there because there's there are different dates. Everybody goes out to try out. How much personal time are you able to make for yourself before it starts all over again? Oh man, if I if I'm lucky, maybe two weeks. Um, you know, we <laughs> we get about two week break to where I don't want to see those guys' faces, or t- you know, they still send me text messages or call me. But you know, I tell them there's like two weeks where I don't want to see your face, I don't want to be in the gym, <laughs> I don't want to hear mouth. But then, you know, we jump right back into we play some money tournaments, we host a a summer money tournament. Um, you know, we just, we try to get in with, uh, you know, youth sports and athletics around here and, and, you know, it's just right back to it. You know, there's, you know, competitive rec leagues or pro-am leagues that these guys are playing in that, you know, I go check out a lot. So it's, it's never ending. You're right. It doesn't stop. So, no, but, it doesn't. But I love I see it like I, you know, obviously I keep up with it with the TBL as I see it on social media. I, I try to keep up with as many teams as I possibly can as well because I see you guys are always involved in the community. I can see it again how some teams, even just from your social media, you can tell how some end up bonding together and some other ones that are just going to work. I'm, I'm not going to say anything negative about the teams because it's always work in progress. So it's not like someone, yeah. you, know, you don't, I didn't come across the team, put it this way, that I ever saw in Tampa last season that came in with, you know, that we got, you know, we got too much game attitude or, you know, we're just the best. No one's going to beat us. When people come, they're focused, they're ready to play. And at the end of the game, I, you know, the first thing you see is you guys shaking hands. And then even after you're in the locker room, you end up coming back out. I would say at least 90% of the times the away team either waits for the home team just to talk a little bit more because you guys are going to see each other again, you know, throughout the season. But it's, it's yeah. good to see that because I think you see it more, on the TBL level than you do on a professional level. And the NBA, you know, those guys get paid, you know, tons of money. They can hang around with each other. I know they build a bond afterwards, but I think that's what I appreciate more too about the basketball league because not only do, you know, the, the players hang around, a lot of the fans hang around too because they want to get that opportunity, that moment, whether it's being to you as a team market owner, or one of your players, you know, so that's, yeah. I think to me, that's more family oriented than the NBA. And again, it's it's two different comparisons because I know this is it, it's a smaller scale, but feels much bigger than what it is. And then now you figure next season, you're talking about almost 60 to 65 teams that are be joining uh, the TBL. So, I mean, if right now we're at 50. There, there could be a possibility of another 10 to 15 coming up next season. But with all that grueling schedule and everything you got to process and put together, as you come up now... We're coming up in, in the month of January. Of course, we're now in December. And you start looking towards the draft. Wow. You know what you're missing and, and the key elements in there. Prior to yeah. the draft, how many tryouts are you able to at least attend to see what you could possibly have in the draft combine? So uh, for us, we we actually have our last, our third and last set of tryouts, December 17th and 18th. So we usually try to do three uh three different weekends of tryouts for the season. So, you know, I want to get my tryouts done by mid-December. Um, that way I know what I have. 
um, I know what I'm missing, or, or you know, gives me opportunity to to reach out to free agents. Um, gives me opportunity to focus on some of the the TBL the league combines um, to see if there's any within you know four or five hours of me. I'll go attend. Last year I went to the Cleveland one, and then obviously the main one in Indianapolis. Uh, this year, um, you know, I didn't travel to a TBL combine just because I did have some really good turnouts the first two sets of tryouts um, we had this year. I mean, I had 26 new guys come our first tryouts, and then I had 24 this last one that were new guys mixed with, you know, I only had like five returners that I'm bringing back. So, um, you know, those are my core, like five guys um, from last year. So and that, that was the difference for us last year. You know, our, our core five, top five, six guys were really good. Right. But when I had this, it was a big – it was a decent gap between our bench and our starters as far as just, you know, being able to mix bench guys together. It wasn't as cohesive as, you know, taking two or three starters and mixing one or two bench guys. That still worked, but, you know, it didn't last throughout the season. That's where we took some lumps. So this year, you know, we went after some bigger free agents, some, some guys that have TBO experience. Um, we're going to be a lot bigger size-wise than we were last year, and, and I honestly think we're going to be a lot faster than we were last year. So so that's what I'll be looking for, the, the combine, uh, the draft come uh, February. Um, you know, a little bit of size, but some length and uh, a lot of speed. Well, listen, so my thing, I guess, without revealing too much information, so when during a draft, obviously if you if there's a, a player that you know – Let's use. I know the Lansing Farrells this year. They're they're taking some time off because they're going to end up regrouping. But let's just say Lansing had maybe a, a center that you guys could possibly part ways. And I'm not saying that you would, but you could possibly part ways, or you have a backup center that you know that's like, okay, I I I still have the need for this, and they may have that key element. Do you guys pull the trigger on the first person that may come across that maybe there's a need that they want and they want that you need? Or do you wait and see as the draft continues to figure out, okay, what maybe someone else, like the you know Kokomo Bobcats, they might have something that we actually need? Um, you know, I, I, that's a very interesting question. Uh, you know, that was kind of the proposal similar to that to me last year at the draft uh, for one of my guys. And, um, you know, for me it's, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a player at heart. You know, I played – so many years back in the day, you know, four years in the EBA, but professionally made a little money. And I tend to side with the players on certain things. So for me, I, I call that player that they're asking about. And I talk with that player over the phone or in person. Um, hey, you know, this is, this might be an option. You know, how do you feel about it? You know, and if they're okay with that, then, you know, we, we talk further about, you know, the possibility of, of trade or, or what we need to do there. Um, I think as far as the draft, you know, last year, you know, being in the team, we did the, the Wheel of Fortune spin, and I, I wasn't very fortunate. <laughs> you know, my first round, <laughs> you know I, I think I had like the 30, 31st pick, end up trading it up for uh, trading my first and second round to move about five spots up uh, to, to pick a guard that I was familiar with, that I, that I had already known from the past. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely open this year. Um, you know, there's probably seven guys that I have right now that I will never part with. Right. Maybe they offer me a million bucks. I'll let them go for the season. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, some of them guys are near and dear to your heart. Um, even though this is a business, you know, to get sponsors, to get investors, you, you got to put the best product you can on the floor. You got to put on a show for the fans. You got to put, um, you know, people in the stands. So that's the ultimate goal, whether, whether it's a near and dear uh, player to your heart, you know, that person might not be getting the job done that you need done to, you know, sustain and build your team. So there's always those things you run into as a, as an owner, not necessarily as a coach, you know? Right. No, but now you bring up a great point as far as saying having the key players, having the right people, because obviously when it comes now time for you to get those sponsors, you know, it's tough because you're absolutely right as far as hitting on the head that when it comes to your players, because that's what people want to see. Anytime you're looking for a sponsor, that's what they're looking for. What can you bring to the table for me as much as you try to bring to them? And I think for, yeah. for some teams and for every level of every professional team, I think that's the hardest part, especially when you're starting off in a TBL, because you're looking not only to make a name for yourself, and for your team and, and to hopefully have many years as you have been fortunate to be able to do, you know, to have those multiple years that you can go maybe someone to, you know, whether it's Pampers, you know, whether it's wet wipes, whatever the case may be, you know, because everybody's open FedEx, UPS, when you go to them and, and cause of most of the time they're always going to ask you, okay, we you know either stats, what kind of ticket sales you have, you know, yeah. what your team look like. They look at your background. Obviously, social media being a big uh, part in it because, obviously, it, it, you know, as many people don't think about it, even some of the music that you choose, that it could be with just something simple on social media, that can make a break a lot of times when it comes to a sponsor because they, that might be something they just don't like. They may not judge you for it, but they may not like exactly what, what you're putting together here. But you're like you were saying, you have a couple guys you, that you have on your team that it's hard to part with, but... Is it harder to part with, let's say, if it's if it's to another team within the division, or if you get that call, let's just say, from Panama or Brazil or somewhere else, that they want that one key center that you have, and it's obviously an opportunity for that player to be able to go overseas, or is it something you guys try to talk about to see what it makes the most sense, whether he wants to stay right there in Kentucky? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great uh, question you brought up. So... Um, you know, I always use Jeff Robinson. He's my, my big time center. Um, you know, he's six eleven, played at Xavier University. Um, and, you know, every year I get calls for him. Um, you know, it started when we played in the ABA. You know, I get teams call. Uh, we played in the NABL, and there was a team from Brazil that called. And they were probably, I think, like the Silver League over in Brazil, like the second-tier league. And they were offering him, like, $5,000 a month to come play. And that's a call that I make to him personally and say this is who reached out this is what they're offering what do you think you know fortunately for me jeff is uh, a family man you know he has a 10 year old son um he just loves to play at the highest level competitively and he's got a really good job so he never wants to go overseas he just that's not in his plan you know once he had a son that that plan faded and he just loves playing at the highest level playing in tbl with us and that's why he's been with me since 2016 um so I'm fortunate enough for that, and he's a great guy. You know, he's a great community guy when we get out and do events. The kids love him. You know, he just he, – he's one of the staples for our team, that's for sure. See, that, that's great to hear, too, because I know we – again, referencing other leagues, but – we see guys who, who've been team players. I mean, you take, for example, Tom Brady, obviously, with the, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I, he started his, his career with New England. You know, he may end up in Miami. Who knows? Because there's, we, there's a lot of rumors talked about down here in the Florida area where as far as where he wants to go. 
But at the same time, too, he's been a great ambassador for the game. You know, and and yeah. no matter what goes on in his personal life, either way, people love what he what he does on the field. Whatever goes on in his personal life, he's always kept separate. That's the one thing I, I will say, I guess, you know, for Tom Brady's behalf, is that he's yeah. able to keep that life separately. But what he does in the community, what the involvement he's done for many years, even though as an Eagles fan, we didn't appreciate when he beat us the first time around, but we we're able to beat him a second time around. But, you know, regardless of that, it's always because of the evolving community, which is a great point that you had just brought up as well, because, you know, that's the one thing, again, with the basketball league, I've seen many teams involved, whether it being because of schools, uh, they, child may have gotten bullied, and so they bring one of their players up just to talk to that child and, and maybe just say, you know, how, how do you know? Because anytime you know at, as a child, if someone that you love and you appreciate, if, you know, they're playing professional basketball, baseball, whatever it is, and you yeah. can bring them to the school and other kids, at least I hope till today, they still wonder, like, how, how does he know him? Where did he come from? So for you guys, right. you know, being in being Kentucky, how important is the community involvement to you and your players? I mean, it's big, you know, um, you know, when COVID hit, it, it you know, it, it kind of put a chokehold on us, so to speak. It slowed everything down, stopped everything. Um, so once COVID let up and, and gym started opening up and we got going again, um, the guys actually, a lot of my people out to me, Hey, you know, we need to get out in the community. What can we do? Hey, is there anything coming up? Like let's reach out to the welcome house, which is, you know, uh, welcome house in Northern Kentucky, um, you know, it helps homeless people and helps unfortunate people that, you know, need to get in and out of the cold, the, the rain, need, need something to eat, need some clothes. So, you know, we did some volunteering down there. You know, we did a Thanksgiving dinner, served Thanksgiving dinner to the homeless down there one year. And, and it was, that was because of my guys were like, Hey, we want to do something like, you know, we want to let everybody know we're still here that COVID didn't, didn't shut us down for good. Like we're back. And so that's very important to have guys like that. Um, you know, I know Kokomo does a lot of good stuff. Lebanon does some stuff. Um, you know, even the Cincinnati Warriors, it's a new team as well. I know them pretty well. They've been getting out in the community doing a lot of stuff too. And that, that's the great thing about uh, the TBL is almost every team gets out and does some stuff, you know. And there's times where we do small stuff, but we don't publicize it. We don't put it on social media just because it, it's not what it was. You know, that event wasn't for that. Right. Um, you know, or, or we can't, you know, certain things, we're not allowed to take pictures. We're not allowed to, to talk about it, you know, when it's people – you know, especially dealing with the homeless people and, and and children's homes, you know, you can't go in and take photos. You can't whatever mm -hmm. uh, do that. But that's not what it's about for. It's about connecting with the, the youth or those homeless people. I mean, I had uh, Cam Mitchell, you know, everybody knows Cam Mitchell, you know, leading scorer of the TBL last year, the whole whole season. Um, he's He played in the Sipapak and leading scorer of that league just now came home and now he's in the Dominican Republic until the end of December. But you know, he sat down and had like a 45 minute conversation with this 70 something year old army vet that was homeless for about 45 minutes. And he had the biggest smile on his face when he left. He said, man, that dude was cool. Like he was just a cool guy. Like I enjoyed that talk. You know, so it's things like that. You see that you're not just helping those people out. You're not just, you know, giving them a reward or, or serving them for a little bit, but it's also giving your players a reward or helping, helping your players out. And and that's important, especially when you're talking about helping out, you know, folks who are homeless because it everybody goes through every different part of life. You know, all of us yeah. aren't born with a silver spoon. I, I'm going to say at least 
a good 99.9% of people that I know were born with silver spoons. And so everybody goes through something in, in their lifetime. You know, we all, and we hear it, you go through trials and tribulations before you finally get to where you want to be. And even then, you know, you might have an accomplished goal that you want, but you always send, set out another goal because you never want to become complacent. Once you become complacent, at least to me, the way I see it is that it, then it's almost like, okay, why am I doing this? I, I should be doing something more than just being complacent. So, for, for teams that are out there and, and they get involved, I think, you know, it, it speaks volumes, especially when the community is looking at it, because again, that's also part of your ticket sales as well. The, the good thing that I always hear from the league is that no one ever goes out and whether they're painting, you know, the inside of a school building, whether they're picking up something from the lawns from the outside, just because, you know, it might've been a lot that's just been vacated and everybody's just throwing tons of trash on there. Nobody does it to say, hey, if I clean, you know, if I come paint your school, you'll come buy my tickets, right? No, it's because you guys want to get that involvement. So hopefully they do come to Kentucky Enforcers game and they say, hey, you know, this is well worth it because you guys helped us out. We want to come check out what you guys are end up doing. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, like you said, it's not, uh, you know, that expected trade-off. It's, it's just showing for us, it's, you know, getting out in the community, showing the community, hey, we're good people. We're good guys. We're not, you know, we're not just basketball players. We're not just a basketball team. We are real people that have hearts and feelings and we care and we want to help, you know, we want to help whatever we can. Well, because I always tell, the way I tell it to Evelyn and, and David Magley, obviously the the president and CEO of, of the corporation here, but the big thing I tell them, it's, it's always more than basketball. The, I think the basketball league, and I think everybody sees it with the post they put up there. You know, the, we see different guys that goes, you know, they go overseas. A lot of the um, the ladies who have become either owners, um, they're either coaches. I know Charlotte has a uh, has their coach slash administrator uh, who played basketball herself, played sports, and now she's able to help the Charlotte Purple Jackets get to that next level as well, along with the four former NBA players are also vested in the team as well. So, you know, it, it's good all the way around to see what the teams do and how they're able to put a good team together because you being a team market owner, which you can't do everything as much as we all think we can all do everything at once, but assembling your team, and, and now your sixth year being into the league here, when you look at it, if let's just say you have someone right now that's that's on your team and they might have an opportunity, whether it be in overseas, you know, they might go out to Arizona or somewhere else because it, it might have been something that they've been longing for the longest. And now you have to separate you from that person, that administrator. What do you look for when someone comes to join the Kentucky Enforcers, not on the playing level, but up on the admin level? Um, you know, just somebody who's kind of like minded. You, know, you you want somebody that has the passion that you do, maybe not on the same spectrum, but um, you know somebody that's passionate about what you're bringing them in for. Um, you know they've got to be uh, you know like a community relations type person where you know they're going to engage with the community, whether it be reaching out to people for sponsors or just calling schools or talking to schools or, or different organizations. But you know just somebody that has some passion. And um, that, that wants to build something and succeed with you. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, you, I mean, I, I hired a couple of people um, last year to do some sponsorship sales for me. They had never done sales a day in their life, but they were great people. Person. You know, they, they talked a lot. They engaged with people. They never met a stranger in their life. So that's, you know, and they didn't know anything about basketball. 
but it's they wanted to help. Right. And they wanted well, they saw what I was doing, they wanted to be a part of it, and they wanted to help build it. So why not? And you know, they helped a lot last year. They really did. I would I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now, um, back in the TBL if they if they weren't there to help. So Jesse, that- you gotta find people like that in your corner, you know, you gotta have them. You do. You're absolutely right. Because the one thing I've seen, we, so we all know how, as far as the education system works, for those who are able to go to college and exceed, you know, whether it be an associate's or bachelor's or master's or doctorate, no matter what it is, a lot of people, of course, they, when they go to advance their studies, they hope to land with the dream job that they want to. But you've also had a lot of people who they could have been, for whatever odd reason, you know, they, they could have been a high school dropout because maybe mom and dad weren't there or whatever road end up taking, or they're just a high school graduate. The point that I like to make here is that you end up taking that time, whether they are, are or aren't college educated that you give someone the opportunity in that choice which we know that with the basketball league that's what it's all about it's about opportunities so i applaud you for taking you know someone in that they may not have that home craft or anything else but they're able to bring that energy that you need to be able to bring that across so you know kudos to you coach because i mean that speaks volumes At, at least in my book it speaks volumes because you're giving that person that opportunity yeah absolutely and you know, I'll always give people opportunities. And the same with my players. You know, when I have tryouts, you know, when I po- when we post our uh, tryout flyers online, uh, I mean, I get probably a dozen guys that will be like, well, I didn't play college or I didn't play high school, but I've been playing in this pro-am league. And they'll send film of their pro-am league. And I tell them, look, I don't care where you played or where you didn't play. And, you know, I, I don't care what your name is, who you are, but, you know, if you want to come tryouts, I'll give you a fair shot like I'll give anybody else. And if you can play, you can play. You know, it doesn't matter where you played at. You know, it yeah. matters. Some some people, it does matter, you know, but to me, it doesn't. You know, I'm not a former NBA guy. I'm not a former NCAA Division One champ or anything like that, but I still made it, <laughs> you know, and I'm making it every day with enforcers. So. No, yeah, and you're absolutely right because you can take the experience that you had. I mean, listen, we've seen a, a lot of guys who – they, you know, their the goal was to to play professional football or basketball or baseball or something else. Something happened. They weren't able to accomplish that goal, but it spun them off to a different career that still could have been sports related, but in a in a different environment. And then eventually come back around full circle and was able to get themselves into an environment like that. You take someone um, who was Derek Jeter, obviously who played years for the Yankees and then tried to obviously be the owner down there with the Marlins, didn't work out the way he wanted to, but he gave it his best and now he's no longer there. It doesn't mean that he goes away. Lord knows he could be in a broadcast booth or something else or he might end up you know, doing his own thing for the smaller market team. So it, yeah. it's good to see, regardless of, I think if, if you didn't make it professionally somewhere, I think what a lot of people end up giving up is they, they give up on their dream and then they can't pursue another passion. It's almost like that dream died and a part of them died with them. So it's yeah. good to hear that, you know, where you came from in your success story, that you're able to put the Kentucky Enforcers at least on the map, whether it be in, in Kentucky or around the world, as a lot of people from overseas, they get to see what goes on with the basketball league because they are in 145 different countries. So you're, you know, if you're in Brazil, if you're in China, no matter where it is, as long as you have the TBL TV package, I mean, they can see the Kentucky Enforcers. They can see Owensboro. You know, they can see now this year coming up the Buccaneers. So it, it's great and refreshing to hear with you. Have you been able to succeed, to succeed, keep this team around for six years? Because again, some teams, for whatever the reasons are, may not make it after year one, or they take a break to come back in year three. 
because financially everything's got to work out for them. Somehow or another, you've been able to make that work, which is always, it's good for you because again, in, in the division that you're in, it, it's not the easiest. You know, you got, again, Kokomo, you got Lebanon, you got Owensboro. So you have fierce competitors within your league. So it's good to yeah. see you guys are able to come back and hopefully again, when the season comes around, you end up doing a lot better, which I'm pretty sure everybody's going to be aiming as they should for the number one spot and then going deep in the playoffs. But to kind of go back a little bit, as far as your own career, what made you choose your path starting from, you know, let's say going back from high school, what chose your path to get to where you are today? <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of a story in itself. Um, <laughs> So, so you know, I'm, I'm from northern Kentucky, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I went to a school called Boone County High School. And, you know, like every kid growing up, I wanted to play professional basketball. You know, most kids, it's football, basketball, baseball. So, you know, basketball was it for me. That was the only tunnel vision I had was basketball. And, you know, growing up through the ranks in high school, you know, I was a pretty good high school player. And, and I, you know, I had some good looks and offers my junior year of high school. And and then, you know, senior year comes around and I get into an argument with the coach and I quit. Worst, worst, but kind of best mistake I've ever made in my life. Um, so lost, you know, I lost every look, offer, anything. And just started playing in some rec league um, at a place called Sports of All Sorts in, in Florence, which is actually our training and practice facility now. It's my biggest sponsor which is kind of ironic, but uh, I was playing in a men's league there and, you know, I'm, I'm summer right after my senior year of high school. And uh, I play against this guy that I think, you know, maybe 25. Well, he comes up after a game and says that he just became the head basketball coach at a school called Johnson university in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he offered me a full scholarship on the spot. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, I'm probably one of the, uh, only people I've ever met in my life that got a full athletic scholarship without even playing basketball in my senior year in high school. So, so you know, I went to school there and played and, um, you know, did some good things there. You know, I was freshman of the year. I was first team All-America in, in the NCC AA uh, Division One, And, uh, you know, we had a good year that year. We were national, well, we national runner-up in the championship and uh, played a couple years there. And then I got an offer to go play in the EBA, I don't know if you remember that, the Eastern Basketball Alliance. It was yeah. based out of Philadelphia. So I got an opportunity to go try out, um, which I thought was a tryout for an expansion team called the Skullkill Fire Dogs, which was owned by the owner of the league who also owned the Harrisburg Horizon. Really, it was the they flew me up, and uh, it was the first, first game of the regular season. So it was like a play-in tryout, which was made me very nervous <laughs> and scared. Um, I got an offer and I, you know, I, I made the team and, you know, as a, as a 20, 21 year old kid, I was making a thousand bucks a week to play ball and they were flying me everywhere every weekend because they didn't have housing. So, you know, I was living the dream at 21, 22 and 23 years old. So I, I played in the EBA for like four years and, you know, so um, that's one of, one of my coaches, the time I was uh, my third year in the uh, EBA is the one that was affiliated with the ABA who actually got me to start the enforcers. So, you know, you just fast forward. I was playing in money tournaments. Um, I used to play in a, a hoop it up. I don't know if you remember the hoop it up. Three yeah. out, three out. So me and my cousins are 10-time national champs, 10 years in a row. Oh, wow. Came um, in 10 years. So at the uh, 
college competitive level. So that was that was my fifteen minutes of fame there, winning winning all those. But you know, but really, I mean, the, the best thing that ever happened to me was the enforcers, um, just making the decision to start them, and it was kind of uh, uh, it was kind of bittersweet because you know, in 2016, I uh, February 3rd on my birthday that year, I had uh, an Achilles transplant surgery. So my playing days were over, um, you know, and I was still playing competitively. I was still traveling, playing in big tournaments and pro-ams. And, you know, when you tear your ACLs or your uh, Achilles as bad as I did, there's not really coming back from that. So I kind of flipped the script and became the uh, owner and coach of the enforcers. And now here we are. It's interesting enough because you're you're talking about right in my backyard. So I was born and raised in Philly, so I know exactly where where you were as far as like when when it comes to Schuylkill because it's you have the Schuylkill River, which that's you know one of the reasons why they had named it. Obviously Harrisburg, you know it's it's the capital of Pennsylvania. So yeah, I I know as far as being back home, there's times where I do miss being back there because obviously the Sixers are playing extremely well and Doc Rivers is trying to do his thing in in Philly. Although a lot of fans want Doc to go, but I mean it it. It comes down to your coaching staff as well. Everybody's got to be on the same sheet of music. And Philly's getting there. It's taking time. It's getting there. When the yep. season first started, they didn't start the way they did last season. But it comes around. It's a long season. People tend to forget. The shortest season, unfortunately, is for the basketball league. So it's when you start 0-4, <laughs> it's hard to bounce back. Because then you you start, now comes the injury bug. Then you got some guys that might get drafted, you know, again, overseas. It might have been a, a particular team that they've been dying to play for and end up going. So, and you had mentioned earlier, as we talked about as well, when it came to COVID, because last year with the Titans, a couple guys didn't get sick throughout the season. Um, Basil Harfouch, the owner of the Tampa Bay Titans, he started overseas, came back to Tampa to, of course, to play and also be the team market owner at the same exact time. But then he ended up... Uh, getting himself an injury so he wasn't able to go the distance of the stretch and then started out with a with a different coach came uh demarcus uh murray came in ended up taking the titans to a long stretching win uh almost didn't make the playoffs made it in but they came up short you know during the playoff times but you guys taking that opportunity to to be able to to coach these guys, whether it's someone that, that has come in off the bench that may have not gotten a single basket in three games because everybody goes through that little mental funk. What I do like yeah. about about you guys is that you do take the time to talk to that person and calm them down and make them understand, like, listen, you're not going to have a game like this every single game. And they might turn around, but Coach Driscoll, this is now game four. I still can't make a bucket. But you could end up having that game-winning shot and that might yeah. change everything. So, uh, again, it, it's certain things that, that you guys present to players. Yeah. And like you said, your players and you guys have that bond because that's what you need. The worst thing you want is a coach or someone, you know, one of your assistant coaches to basically bring people down because then the guys are like, why am I playing here? Why do I belong here? I want to be with a team that actually wants to play like a team. So I, I know it's got to be difficult throughout the season when you have guys who just go through that funk. But I guess to yeah. – to, that's a question. Is there something between you and your assistant coaches or your staff when you know you have someone who and, and he could be one of your top, you know, key players and he just goes through that little mental anguish? Is there something that, that you can particularly say to him that finally gets him to just to get out of there? Or maybe it's at practice where you have that one on one conversation and just figure out what's going wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, there is. Um, and, and, you know, at this level, um, even at high school level and beyond, um, every player is different. Every 
players' characteristics are different. Uh, their mentality is different. So th- that's one thing I, I try to pride myself on is knowing my guys. You know, there's guys that you can walk up to and they're playing bad and you can, you can, you know, yell at them, scream at them up one side and down the other. And they'll, they'll go in the game and play harder and they'll get it done for you. But there's also those guys where you do that too and they're going to go sit at the end of the bench and they're going to pout and they don't want back in the game. Right. You know, so you have, to, you have to know your personnel. Um, you know, I have a really good guard that's played with me for a while. And, um, you know, he gets, he gets a little upset. Uh, you know, missing a shot, he'll, he'll get upset or, or come down the lane in traffic on a layup and, and thinks, you know, he might thought he got fouled, but he thinks he still should have made the layup, missed it. And he looks over like, I want to sub, coach sub me. And, you know, there's times where I've yelled at him on the court, you know, he, time, they'll be shooting a free throw, the other team will shoot the free throw or something, and I'll call him over and I'll be like, Dude, why do you want to sub? And I'm playing bad. I'm, I'm just, I can't make a shot. I'm like, did, did I yell at you for missing that shot? Am I yelling at you for, you know, taking that shot? If I'm not yelling at you, why are you yelling at yourself? You know, that, that, that's, you know, and, and I have a lot of those guys. I have, you know, four or five of those guys that, that I have to just get in their ear a little bit and say, hey, if I'm, if you still got the green light, if I didn't give you the red light or if I didn't yell at you, why are you upset, man? Keep shooting, keep playing. You know, but there is certain guys where, you know, you have to take them out of the game for a second. You have to let them sit on the bench and regroup. You have to let your assistant coach go over and talk to him and, and talk him up and let him know that it's it's a long game. You know, stuff happens. You know, Michael Jordan wasn't perfect. I don't. Right. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a perfect person by any means. Not a perfect coach. You know, so that that's what you have to instill in in your players is you know, hey, it's next next play mentality. You missed that play or you you reached and that guy went around you and scored a layup. Okay, you got to get it back now. You know, next play mentality. That plays over. So it's just, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles on the court, you know, just like any relationship. You, you pick yeah. and choose your battle. Yeah, that's true. You, you can, uh, what is it? You can, you can always pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Everybody knows that sometimes you go round around with the family because, and, and from the family side, there's a lot of love because everybody, most families, they always challenge each other because they want, they hope that the next generation coming up does better than the previous or the current you know, family. And, and so in our house, it was no different. We always were competitive. My cousins, they're, they're 10 years younger than I am. But when I was you know, helping to raise them, I always told them, like, you should be better than that one. You should be better than this one over here. And they used to think, like, I'm nuts. Like, why would you say that? Because in the end, you guys are going to build such a good chemistry that when one falls, the other one's there to pick them up. So that's why you guys become competitive with one another because it's, it's going to help you in the long run. So you're absolutely yeah. right because everybody... Everybody goes through a funk at one point or another, whether it be in yeah. a relationship personally, something goes on with your life. You just got to figure out how to rebound because there's yeah. times Lord knows that we just think, man, I can't catch a break. But eventually you do if you work hard enough for it. So, again, yeah. many good things that, that you're saying tonight, Coach, that, that I hope a lot of people that are listening in. It might be the opportunity for them to say, I need to check out the Kentucky Enforcers and see what's going on up there. There might be something different from what goes on in the other league. But speaking of that as well. The venue where you guys play, because I want everyone to know exactly where you guys play, how they're able to get their tickets, and then when they can start, when the schedule's released, I know everybody's waiting for it for you guys as far as your division, but where can they go to, to watch your team? So um, we will be playing at Dixie Heights High School in uh, Erlanger, Kentucky. Uh, we finished up our season, our last four games there last season. 
Um, we we moved, you know, after the first eight games to a, a bigger, more, uh, uh, you know, it's better location. Uh, a lot of restaurants nearby to where everybody can go out afterwards and have fun. Um, our our new website we're actually getting it developed right now. It should be uh, it should be up and going by next Wednesday. And that's KentuckyEnforcersBasketball.com. Um, you check us out on Facebook, Kentucky Enforcers, Instagram. Um, once we get our schedule finished, which should be in the next day or two, that'll be posted on both of those. Um, and then it'll also be on the website next week. So, you know, season tickets uh, will be going on sale as soon as we publish the uh, the schedule. All right. Well, listen, Coach, one final question I have. It's probably the, the biggest one. And so All this right. one... This one will probably be worth like a you know a thousand imaginary points, but I've always asked this because I, I find it interesting with with everyone and their opinion. But yeah. greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan Michael. or LeBron James? Michael Jordan, no comparison. Yeah. No. I, and I and I get a lot of debates from the, the the younger generation, you know, the the high school kids and and some younger twenty year olds that I work with, um, and, and they always ask me why why Michael Jordan why is Michael Jordan better than LeBron? And, you know, when's the last time you and I tell them watch five, watch five full games of LeBron James playing, watch five full games of Michael Jordan playing. Tell me the last, tell me any time in those five games you see Michael Jordan miss free throws or air ball shot, or you know, or cry about a foul. It's 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 a different game now. It's a different era, but no comparison. Nope, you're right, and I'm the same way too. I'm, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan, and God bless you know, God rest Kobe Bryant. The same way too. I mean, a guy had. Such great game, but MJ by far, I will always say that yep. that's going to be my hero for life when it comes to the basketball because there, there's no comparison compared to what we saw growing up, especially for that run Chicago Bulls made. I don't think any team in history, even though you know, obviously, uh, when it comes to um, why am I trying to brain for here? Gold State, Gold State Warriors, even though they, they've made their own championship run. But the run the Bulls had was completely different from what Golden State has. Now, Steve Kerr, obviously coming off that Bulls team, you know, he knew what it would take in order to get to those yep. glory days the way he did. So they bounced back, I mean, big time last year. And not to say they yeah. can't do it again. And, you know, Steph Curry right now being a prime of his of his life. So, yeah, Michael Jordan, always, 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 always. And if one day I can run into him and I can get a signed jersey, it would hang here in the studio because, again, it's the best person i think still on this earth that's around but listen coach thank you so much for joining me this evening i really do appreciate it and i want you to come back because i want to get to know at least more of what goes on throughout the season therefore we can you know keep catching up with how the season starts where we are as far as team and players and then just continue on that throughout the year so i would appreciate you come back on with me yes sir i appreciate you having me i'd love to no problem well thank you and then for everyone else Thanks once again for tuning in. You can catch the replay, of course, on BroadStreetSouth.com. Click on a YouTube and the latest episodes, and you guys come back and watch this. You can also be able to hear it on 102.9 The Game. So, Coach, thank you once again to everyone else. We will talk to you all next week. Enjoy your night. And, uh, well, pretty soon the season will commence in 2023. So, everyone, enjoy the rest of your evening.